Thank you, group. The psalmist, I think, says it so well. Look to the Lord in his strength and seek his face always. That is as good as advice as you'll ever get. Be sure to fill out your connection card this morning and drop it in the offering plate when you're leaving. And let me highlight a couple of announcements as we get started today. Notice that uh, we are ordering our Easter lilies and our Easter ferns. They are $15 each. And if you'd like to purchase one, information is back in the foyer. Please pick up one of the cards and fill that out and uh, put it with your check for $15. Make it out to the church and we'll get those ordered for you. Also, our Easter offering this year... uh, Normally, we divided half here in the United States and half overseas. But this year, because of the situation in the Ukraine, 100% of our Easter offering this year will go to the Ukrainian Baptist Theological Seminary. It is an outstanding uh, school. And up until a few months ago, they were focused on uh, education and training ministers. But it has been transitioned more to relief through providing food, medical care, and places to sleep, and relief for those who are being displaced by the war. So all the money this year we, re- we receive for the Easter offering will go to the Ukrainian Baptist Theological Seminary. Please note a couple of announcements that are in your bulletin. And um, you know, this Thursday is the Women's Luncheon. Uh, be sure to see Poppy or uh, Poppy Earhart or Glenda Guzzi for more information. Then next Sunday, right after the morning worship service, we'd like for you to just stay for a little bit. We're going to um, uh, stuff some Easter eggs for the Easter egg hunt for our children. And if you, it won't take but maybe 20 or 30 minutes. Then on Wednesday of next week, we have luncheon with the staff. Just bring a lunch with you and enjoy some good fellowship. And then Friday is our Good Friday service, our prayer service. We'll have a devotional, we'll have hymns about the cross, and we'll have communion together. And then, of course, Saturday on the 16th is our Easter egg hunt, and then Sunday the 17th is Easter Sunday. So take note of those, a lot of things happening. All right, I'm going to ask Edith to come and open us up in a word of prayer. Let's pray. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. We praise you for who you are. We praise you for taking the time to hear our prayers. And we praise you for your presence here with us today. You are always welcome here. We will put everything else aside and focus our worship on you through our singing, playing, praying, reading of scripture, and the preaching and hearing your holy word. We may be a small congregation, but we but when we worship you, we are mighty. Please accept our worship today and may it be pleasing to you. Now let's stand and sing. We're going to thank the Lord for everything he's done for us.
instructing them on, on how to live holy, how to live apart from the world, live the way that Christ desires us to live. Please read these words with me from Colossians 3, beginning in verse 17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and do not be harsh with them. May God bless the reading of his word. seated and 
This morning we're glad to have with us Laura Jacobs. She is with the Pregnancy Resource Center. It is a marvelous ministry right here in the city of Mesquite. And they do a great work with a lot of our young people. So Laura, would you come and just share what um, Pregnancy Resource uh, Ministry does here? Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Um, this feels very much like the church I grew up in, and so it is refreshing to be in the house of the Lord with you today. Um, there's joy in the house of the Lord, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to be here with you. Thank you, Pastor Scott, for um, asking me to be with you today. I wanted to point out a couple things that I've left on the table as you leave your worship center here today. There's our Walk for Life flyers. Um, there's also a QR code that you can sign up if you prefer that way. And there's also as a little gift and a reminder to you, um, Sanctity of Life weekend was a couple weeks ago. And this is, we have little um, baby feet that are the exact sa- size and shape of a 10-week-old gestational baby. So if you want to, um, you know, pray, pray over that, wear it, put it somewhere significant where you'll remember to pray. Um, as the Supreme Court is deciding about, uh, you know, with the Dobbs case, whether Roe v. Wade will be overturned. There's significant things that we would cover your prayers on regarding that. Um, As I said, thank you again for having me. Um, I have been... uh, on staff with just a few years, uh, my family relocated to um, from Rockwall to Sunnyvale. My husband's a teacher and coach in Sunnyvale, and um, I have four kids. And at that time, I, I told the director, I said, I can dominate about 11 to 2. My husband was a football coach and wanted to be there for our four kids and started serving and just fell in love with this ministry. Um, I, I was on Young Life staff for quite a few years, became a Christian to Young Life. And um, I don't know that I've ever shared my faith more consistently, more frequently, um, with girls that are facing unplanned pregnancies um, than I've done with that. And it is the most, one of the most life-giving things that I've ever been a part of. So um, if you're interested, we would, love Vanna, uh, we would love to have you come join us and be a client coordinator. Um, the PRC itself opened its doors in October of 2000, offering hope to women facing unplanned pregnancies. In January of 2008, we opened the Satellite Mesquite, Mesquite location. Um, we're at the interstate, um, intersection of Town East and Galloway. We're right in the Sprout Shopping Center. We're about 100 yards from Planned Parenthood, if you haven't seen where we're located. That's a strategic location. Last fall, we were able to launch our mobile clinic that enables us to go to women um, that have transportation issues that can't get to either Rockwall or Mesquite. And that has been a wonderful thing. Um, just to see that we can pull up and girls that have told their friends, hey, last week I was able to get a free pregnancy test and they told me where I could live if my parents, you know, are not happy with this, with my situation or I'm going to set up an appointment with an, ad- with an ad- adoption counselor. So that has been um, a very fruitful ministry for us. Um, if you are interested in becoming a cli- client coordinator, we ask you serve um, one four-hour shift a week. Um, I've been doing, I was doing BSF and actually stopped doing that because the training, um, I re- one, it was busyness, and I, I love that ministry as well, but um, the quality of the, of the training that we receive, I'm very proud of. Um, we have therapeutic conversation, Bible study, how to share your faith, so um, we do a great job of making sure that before you're one-on-one with an abortion-determined der- client, that you're very comfortable in that setting, and we don't just say, hey, good luck. <laughs> so um, our training is, is excellent as well. Um, we see approximately 1,700 clients uh, per year from over the Metroplex. We've seen clients as young as 13 and as old as 49, but our main client is between 18 and 23. We often find that pregnancy, pregnancy tests is what brings a client through our doors, but during the initial visit uncover many more complex issues um, and challenges that they're facing. We work closely with our community as we assess different needs and referral uh, refer them. If they need help with Medicaid, um, they're going to walk out our door with 
a confirmed pregnancy test. If there's a negative test, we talk about making wise choices to avoid that in the future. Um, if they want to come back for a sonogram, um, even if they're abortion determined, we help them and we follow up with them. We don't refer for that. We don't help them do that. But I want to be clear that we do try to support them and follow up afterwards. Um, what we're seeing after, um, unfortunately, with the with the, um, the with the six week with the heartbeat bill, we are seeing girls that are going across state lines to do that and are are not receiving care afterwards. So we want to help them get that as well. Um, I wanted to mention our, our two main fundraising events that we do every year. We have a fall fundraising banquet that's usually out at South Fork, and we typically have a, a great speaker at that. Um, our, our main one is in May. It's our always Mother's Day weekend, and we do a Friday night in Rockwall, and we do a Saturday morning in Mesquite. Again, the flyers have all the details of this. Um, but we, it's a, Friday night is a wonderful night um, to share um, with food trucks, it's a, it's not an athletic event. It's a leisurely stroll, so you don't feel like you need to be training for that. So <laughs> please come join us. But it is a fun night with food trucks and fellowship, and we would like to say that it is a fun night with a purpose. So please consider joining us for that. If you can't, Mesquite is real close. At C- City Lake Park is where we'll be that next Saturday morning, and we'd love to have you join us for that as well. Um, if you if you want to tell anybody else about it, please do check out our website, yourprc.org. Uh, it takes us to your, um, there's a client side where you can schedule an appointment. There's also a donor side where you can see more testimonies too. Um, I'll be after uh, here after the service if anybody has any questions or has wants to share anything with me. I'd, I'd love to meet you in person. Um, the best way to do, um, I think, to share or for you to see really what we do is to see some of our testimonies. So I'm going to show, I, I got the privilege of meeting with this couple um, during COVID, and we really try to obviously maintain a professional presence as we as we share. But the sonographer after, and, and I talked afterwards, so I'm like, they were just the pumpkins. They were just the cutest people ever. <laughs> and they were abortion-minded, and you'll hear some of their different um, circumstances, but um, you'll, you'll see in the story kind of what they chose. So please enjoy. We're going to watch their video and come see me after the service. Thank you again for allowing me to be here today. Again, right after the worship service, Laura will be in the back, and feel free to go back and talk with her about this great ministry, a very needed ministry in our day. Prayer request, several prayer requests. We want to remember uh, Larry Ingram is at Baylor Rehab, uh, Warren Grady is home, and so is Jane Geisler, and we're giving thanks for that. Our senior, Those in our senior living facilities are Flo Smith, Winona Anderson, Lorraine Bellringer, and Tony Myrick. And uh, we want to continue to pray for Joan Williams' husband, Richard. He is home on hospice. And then um, our homebound members are Dudley Perry, 
Cindy Bellmeyer, and Bill Guzzi. And also let me remind you also that Rudy Martinez came home, and he is home as well. Let's pray. Father, on this Sunday morning, we gather here to worship you. You have shown us your mercy and your grace time and time again. How great is your love that you have lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. You have given us gifts and talents that we can serve you and we can minister to one another. So help us be faithful in using these wonderful gifts and talents for your honor and glory. Father, we do want to pray for those who serve in our military. We're thankful for their commitment. We uh, pray for Omar Silva, Sean Carnes, Colin Graves, Abner Mauricio, Tyler McCarty Cogis, Joshua Davis, Nathan Hayes, Colby Hayes, and Devin Guzman. And Father, we pray that um, you will be with all the men and women who serve as our first responders, our police officers and firefighters, and Lord, others who make our community a safer place. Father, we pray for our students and our faculty as they begin school again on tomorrow. We pray for their safety and protection. And Father, we pray for our nation in these very difficult and turbulent times. We pray, Father, that they would remember the psalmist who wrote, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Father, we pray you'll bring us back to you. Father, as we look at world events, we can see that the Lord, return of Christ is, is getting close. Help us to be mindful and to be ready when he comes. We lift our voice in praise to you. And may the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. We ask all of this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let us join in singing our communion hymn, I Will Sing of My Redeemer. Oh. 
went to the cross because of his love for us and so let's remember that it was indeed his love for us that has brought us salvation our scripture today is from Romans 5 verse 6 through 8 you see at just the right time when we were still powerless Christ died for the ungodly very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank you for your son Jesus, who paid our price for sin and gave us freedom and made us righteous in your eyes. And Father, as we partake of these emblems. Let's remember the sacrifice that was made for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes.
join us in singing and worship, O Glorious Day. Trumpet was on the 
congregation has been blessed. Throughout the pandemic, and maybe it's not over, we don't know yet, uh, we have maintained our funds. We have maintained our ministries. We have supported 10 other ministries. One of the ministries we support is the Pregnancy Resource Center. Uh, We do beach club for the two, at two schools. Awanas will be starting up here pretty soon, we think. Uh, we have been so fortunate. Our school, we closed it down for a while during the pandemic. Uh, now we have 65 students. Yes, woo is right. Uh, things look good, but it's all because of the grace of God and his blessings and your faithfulness. The passage I'm going to read today is from 2 Corinthians 9:11. Paul, writing to the Corinthians, might have been talking about this congregation. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. Let us pray. Our Father, we are so thankful that you've looked down upon us and blessed us. And Father, as we come give back to you uh, a portion of what you've done for us, we pray that these offerings and tithes will be used to continue to further your kingdom and to bring your word and your grace to others. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. seated. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 10 and we'll be looking at verses 1 through 12. 
Mark chapter 10. It's page 715 in the Pew Bible. 715, 715, if you would like to follow along in the Pew Bible. Mark chapter 10, and we will begin at verse number 1. Jesus then left that place and went to the region of Judea and across the Jordan. Again, crowds of people came to him, and he was, as was his custom, he taught them. Well, some Pharisees came, and they tested him, asking, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Well, what did Moses command you, he replied. And they said, Well, Moses permitted us, permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce, and then send her away. Well, it was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law. Jesus replied. You see, at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. And therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. When they were in the house again, the disciples asked Jesus about this. And he answered, anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. Let's pray. Father, as we read these words, words from our Lord himself, and let us help us to sort through this whole, this whole idea of marriage and divorce and, and um, what is truly the biblical teaching that you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a story about a little four-year-old girl who came home from preschool. She was all excited. She wanted to tell her mom about the story that her teacher had read at school that day. And the story was about a young maiden, she said, a young maiden named Snow White. And she began to tell the story about Snow White and the dwarfs and how the wicked queen had made an apple and she ate the apple and fell asleep. And, and then a young prince comes along and, and gives her a kiss and she wakes up. And then the little girl says, Mom, you know what happened then? And the mom says, yes, I do. They lived happily ever after. And the little girl says, oh, no, they got married. We all know the statistics. We all know the statistics about marriage. And by the way, you know what? One of the problems about marriage, one of the reasons we're having so many problems with divorce and marriage, so many young couples rush into marriage before they're ready. You, for example, you know, they come in for premarital counseling. And, and the first question I always ask a couple is, why do you want to get married, you know? And, of course, you know the standard answer is, we're in love. Oh, we're, we can't live without each other. Well, how long have you been dating? A week. When do you want to get married? Tomorrow. It, but I will say that every couple that I have worked with and have married, they have always gone into their marriage believing their marriage will last a lifetime. They went in with the very best of intentions. But we all know the statistics about marriage. Too many end in divorce. 
And, and let's face it, divorce is a subject that is close to all of us. Some of you have been through a divorce. Others of us, in fact, all of us here today, know of family and friends who have gone through a divorce. I grew up in church. My two sisters grew up in church. My two sisters married young men who grew up in church in our youth group. We had known them for years. Both of my sisters who married from young, married young men in that youth group got divorced. Debbie and I have two daughters. One of them has been divorced and remarried. I think every one of us has some close connection with someone who has gone through the pain of a divorce. And so we have to ask ourselves, how do I build a strong, healthy, vibrant marriage? Or how can I build a marriage that is divorce-proof, maybe is the way to put it. Well, this morning we're continuing our study in the life of Christ. And we're doing it in the Gospel of Mark. And... uh, let me just say, Jesus today is going to, he's going to address this issue of marriage and divorce. Now, before we get into it, let me, let me give you a little bit of a background, what's going on. In that day, there were two main views about divorce. There was the liberal view, and there was the conservative view. Not much has changed over the years. The liberal view, which is held by Rabbi Hillel, he believed that uh, you could divorce for any reason you wanted. The other view by Rabbi Shammai, he believed you could only divorce in a case of infidelity. Well, in today's passage, Jesus is going to weigh in on this thing. And we're going to look at three things. We're going to look at how, first of all, God instituted marriage. Then we're going to look at man instituted divorce. And then we're going to look at the Christian view or how Christians invest in marriage. All right, let's take a look. First of all, God instituted marriage. Now Jesus is way up in the, he was in chapter 8, way up in the northern part of Galilee. He has been slowly with his disciples making his way south towards Jerusalem for the Passover. In fact, next Sunday, Jesus will go into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. But today, Jesus has left Galilee and he's now entered into Judea. And when he gets to Judea, not far from Jerusalem, he is met with a large crowd and he begins to teach them. And guess who else shows up? The Pharisees show up. And they ask the question, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Now, they, what they really want Jesus to do is to kind of go on the record. You know, make a public statement so that everybody knows on the record what is your position about marriage and divorce. And it's not because they want to know the truth about this. They're hoping that maybe they can... Uh, they'll have some kind of ammunition to use against him with King Herod, who has gone through a rather sad divorce. All right. But what, we, what I want to do, I want to first look at marriage first, and then we'll look at divorce. And I want you to notice in, in verse number 6, Jesus takes them all the way back 
to the creation account. They're asking about marriage and divorce. Jesus says, let's talk about marriage. And he takes them all the way back to the very beginning. And notice verse number 6. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. How many genders are there? Two genders, male and female. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God hath joined together, let no man, let no man separate. You know what you have right here? This is God's definition of marriage. It is the definition that counts. Now, what I want to do with this definition here, we're going to look at the theological side and then we're going to look at the the more practical side. Theologically, God created marriage. God instituted marriage. Marriage is not something that, um, that cavemen thought up. God created marriage and he instituted it all the way back in the beginning with Adam and Eve. I mean, that, that is how deep marriage goes. It goes all the way back to the very beginning. It goes back to the Garden of Eden. God originated marriage. In fact, when he did so, when he created us, when he created mankind, he created marriage into our DNA. You realize, think about this. When, when we were children in elementary school, you know, the boys kind of ran with the boys and the girls ran with the girls. And, and as boys, the girls had cooties, right? You know, stay away from them. And the girls thought, the boys have cooties. Stay away from them. But along about high school, what happens? They suddenly start noticing each other, don't they? The boys begin to be attracted to the girls. The girls are attracted to the boys. Why is that? God built that into our DNA and it's leading up to marriage and do you realize no matter where you go in the world you will find marriage is at the center of every society even in the remotest parts of the world you will find people who embrace marriage because it's just natural. It's part of our DNA. God programmed us that way. Now, and by the way, that is why, because God created marriage, marriage is indelible. It is permanent. It is a permanent part of every society, no matter where you go. And and God, he owns the copyright on it. He owns the patent on it. What I'm saying is, God created it, it's everywhere, it's in our DNA, we cannot tinker with it. You cannot tinker with marriage. Marriage is between a man and a woman, period. End of discussion. That was the way God created it. In fact, notice, here at the end of uh, verse number, is it 10? Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate that's a warning you don't you don't go there you don't mess with marriage now i know there are groups today that are tinkering with it they are trying to do things listen if marriage was the invention of man you can mess with it mess with it all you want you can adjust it modify it redefine it tweak it whatever you want to do 
but you cannot modify, you cannot mess with, you cannot tinker with marriage because it is God who created it. I'm going to tell you, don't even go there. Nothing good comes out of that. And by the way, in fact, what we have to do, we have to submit to that. We submit to God's ordained definition of marriage. And, by, and when a couple, when they enter into marriage, they're entering into God's house. It is his. He owns it. It's his property. He instituted marriage and he regulates it. He created marriage and, and um, he, he governs it. It's all his. And, and for example, husbands, love your wives. That's part of God's governing of marriage. Wives, submit to your husband. That's part of God's governance for marriage. When you enter into marriage, you are entering into God's house under God's governance and under his regulations. The institution of marriage belongs to God. It's not ours. We have no business tinkering with it or trying to adjust it. Marriage is an indelible institution. Now, that's the theological side of it. Now, let's look at some practical things. You'll notice that in this definition, Jesus talks about, really, by the way, he's actually quoting Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. He's quoting Genesis 2, 24, where in the beginning, you know, God created the male and female. And then at the very end, he says that they will become one flesh. Let's talk about this for a minute. A man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, the two become one flesh. There is a, there's a bonding that takes place between a husband and a wife. And it's more than just, it's more than a physical thing. We're talking about a, an emotional bonding, uh, a mental bonding. We're talking about a, a spiritual bonding that takes place. It, to become one flesh in the marriage relationship, this is the most, this is the most powerful bond in the human race. There's no bond. Not even the bond between a mother and a child is stronger than the bond between a husband and a wife. For example, let's suppose, um, a young lady, all right, you, you buy a, a new dress. And uh, you ask your friends, what do you think of my new dress? And they all say, it looks nice. It looks good. But you ask your husband, what do you think of my new dress? And he says, that does not flatter you. It does not look good on you. It just does not appeal to you at all. It's not your color. It's not your style. It just doesn't look good. You know what's going to happen? That dress is going to either, it's going to go back to the store or it's going to go to Goodwill. Because that's how much power your marriage partner has in your life. More power than 10 or 20 of your friends. And guys, you know, you decide, I'm going to grow a beard. I'm going to grow a beard. And you ask your friends, what do you think of my new beard? They say, hey, it looks pretty good. It looks all right. And your wife says, you look 20 years older. You're uglier than you've ever been before. It's the worst thing you could have ever done. You know, let me tell you something. That beard's coming off. It doesn't matter what all your friends say. That's how much power your wife has. That's how much power your mate has in a marriage relationship. Marriage 
That relationship has more power than all other relationships put together. And God created it that way. God intends for it to be that way. Marriage has more power than we realize. And by the way, you know, think about it this way. Marriage has the power to literally recreate how you think about yourself. It has the power to recreate your self-image. Um, when you get married, you, you will discover real quickly that your marriage partner can literally shape the way you look at yourself. Now, think of the significance of this. In order to have a healthy self-image of yourself, you must have a healthy marriage. You, you, could, even, you could even work in an unhealthy environment with a lot of unhealthy people. But as long as your marriage is healthy and strong and vibrant, you're going to be fine. But once your marriage, your marriage goes sour, that has a tremendous effect on your self-image. You know, the husband-wife relationship is by far the strongest, most powerful influence in your life. Now let me mention one more thing. One more thing before we move on to the next point. What I have noticed in recent years and why we're having such a problem with divorce, which we'll talk about in a minute, one of the reasons is because so many young people and people in general, but mostly younger people, they have no concept of what marriage really is. And you can see that because sometimes these young people, they want to write their own vows. It's becoming more and more popular. I want to write my own vows. And usually, these vows are, you know, there's something like this. Oh, how I love thee. I shiver in my liver when I'm all around you. and think, or, or when I cast my eyes upon you, I just feel warm inside and fuzzy all over. You know, or something, you know, my heart just goes pitter-patter every time I'm in your presence. God, listen, the, those... They have no clue what marriage is about. No idea what marriage is about. I mean, to simply stand at an altar and say to each other, Oh, how I love you. Oh, how I love you. That's not marriage. Think about this, all right. Marriage, when you stand at an altar at a marriage ceremony, the marriage vows that you exchange are not about the present. Marriage vows are about the future. Marriage vows are not about how I feel about you now. It's about how I will commit to loving you in the future. I mean, somewhere in that marriage ceremony, there should be statements like, until death us do part, kind of a thing. They're all about the future, not about the present. In a wedding ceremony, couples, they're not exchanging, they're not exchanging feelings, how they feel today. They're exchanging vows of commitment for tomorrow. In sickness and in health. In uh, prosperity and in adversity. And somewhere in there, till death us do part. All right. So, marriage, God created it. It's permanent. However, we're sinners, and we've got a problem. And that raises the question that the disciples come to Jesus, and they ask him, is it right for a man to divorce his wife? So let's look at the second thing. Second, 
man instituted divorce. Uh, the Pharisees ask, is it lawful to divorce your wife? Jesus responds by asking them a question. What did Moses say? What did he command you? And then they say, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. And that's true. In the Old Testament, there is provision for divorce. Now they, the, the Pharisees, they are referring to a passage in Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 1. I'll read it. If a man marries a woman who becomes displeasing to him because he finds something indecent about her, he writes her a certificate of divorce, gives it to her, and sends her from his house. Yeah, there was provision for divorce in biblical. There was a lot of discussion about what that means. What can you, what grounds can you divorce somebody? But what's really important in this, come back to the Gospel of Mark. Look how Jesus responds to what Moses wrote back in Deuteronomy. Jesus says, it was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law. What he is saying is, that law was enacted because you're sinful, you're selfish, and you're self-centered. You know what happens when you put two people together in a marriage, and they're sinful, they're selfish, and they're self-centered? You get conflict. You get all kinds of differences with each other. And what happens sometimes is those differences escalate to the point where a couple says, you know what? Our differences are irreconcilable. And you can go down to the courthouse and you can file for divorce on the grounds of irreconcilable differences. That's how easy it is to get a divorce today. A couple weeks ago, my phone died on me, so I had to go buy a new one. So I go to the AT&T store, buy a new phone. Have you ever seen the contract that you have to sign to get a cell phone? I, I'm telling you right now, I almost thought you have to sell, sign it in blood. There, there's no way you're going to get out of that. And I was thinking, you know, if cell phone companies would write marriage licenses nobody could get out of them there it would be the it would be the end of divorce as we know it there's no getting out of it but the bottom line is divorce is easy to get but it's not easy to get over divorce is something you have to take seriously in fact you take a couple who've been married for several years and they decide we're getting a divorce it's like losing a part of you. It's like, it's like an amputation. You're losing a part of who you are. It is painful, it is radical, and it's difficult. In fact, for example, in the medical field, amputation is painful, it's difficult. And any reasonable doctor is going to do everything he can or she can to save that limb. Because you don't want to lose that arm or you'll lose that leg. Amputation is always a last resort. But if it comes down to this, if it comes down to losing that arm or that leg or losing your life, 
then amputation is necessary. And I say that because, here's my point, there are occasions, there are occasions when divorce is necessary to save a life. Just as an amputation sometimes is necessary to save a life. Sometimes you have to do the divorce. In fact, Jesus, I believe Jesus gives infidelity as a reason for a divorce. That sometimes that's what it takes. Paul in 1 Corinthians, I believe, gives desertion as a reason for divorce. I personally, my view is that abuse is a reason for divorce. Just like an amputation. Sometimes you have to do that to save your life. So, yes, divorce is out there. Sometimes it's necessary to save a life. So, God instituted marriage. Man sinned. Man has sinned and therefore we have divorce. Now, let's look at the last thing. Third, let's look at Christians and investing in marriage as ministry. A Christian marriage is the most unique, the most unique relationship on this earth because it reflects the image of God. A Christian family is unique because the Christian family, the Christian family uh, reflects the image of God. Now, here's what I mean. In fact, God designed the family to be unique. Let's take a look. In Genesis chapter 1, you have the creation story. And in the creation story, you have, um, at the end of every day, this statement, and God saw that it was good. God saw that it was good. God saw that it was good. But on the third day, or on the uh, sixth day of creation, when God created Adam, you have this phrase. And the Lord God said, It is not good. What wasn't good? Man was alone. It is not good that man should be alone. You know why? Because there had never been aloneness in this world before. Before God created man, before God created the angels, before God created the universe, there was still no such thing as aloneness. Because there was God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And it's not, it does not reflect his image for man to be alone. And therefore, God created marriage. And that way, marriage and family reflect the image of God. In fact, God created marriage and family to reflect his image. You have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God the Father loves the Son. The Son submits to the Father. And from the Father and the Son comes the Holy Spirit. And it's the same thing in the family. You have the husband who loves the wife, the wife that submits to the husband, and from the father and, and from the husband and the wife come children. The marriage and the family relationships that we have are designed to reflect the image and the glory of God. Now, by the way, let me just say on a practical side real quick. 
That is why as Christians, we marry in the Christian family. We marry other believers because our faith is that important to us. Now you say, well, Scott, what about my marriage? I've been divorced. I've been remarried. I've got a blended family. Can my marriage be honored and blessed by God? Yes. I believe. In fact, I would say that you are married to the person that God created you to be married to. You're married to the person you're supposed to be married. Let me put it this way. You're married to the person you're supposed to be married to right now. Even though you've gone through a divorce in your past, you're married to the right person. And God can bless that marriage. We're all familiar with the story of David and Bathsheba. Not just the story of David and Bathsheba, but David even killed Bathsheba's husband, or had him killed, so that he could marry Bathsheba. Think about that. You talk about a rocky start to a marriage. You talk about uh, knee-deep in sin and starting a marriage, knee-deep in sin. David and Bathsheba are about as far as you can get. And yet, and by the way, David confesses his sin. And you read it in Psalm 32 and Psalm 51. David, he committed a great sin, but his repentance was deep and powerful. And you know what God did? God blessed that marriage. He blessed it with a son by the name of Solomon. And through Solomon came the Lord Jesus Christ. You know why? God loves to clean things up. He loves to wash them, cleanse them, polish them, and bless them. And God can bless any marriage, no matter how rocky or how knee-deep in sin it got. God can bless and enrich that marriage. And the person you're married to is the person God wants you to be married to. And as long as you put him and keep him in the center of your life and in your marriage, God will bless that. So, God instituted marriage. Man instituted divorce. But as Christians, we value marriage because we see it as a ministry to God and it reflects his image. So here's what I want us to take home from this. The question at the beginning, how do I divorce-proof my marriage? When we put Christ first in our marriage, divorce will be the last thing on our mind. When we put Christ first in our marriage, divorce will be the last thing on our mind. And by the way, the very, the first step in being blessed by God is coming to faith in Him and embracing Him as your Savior. And Jesus wants to welcome you if you've never come to faith in Him. And He wants to bless you and bless your, bless your family and your marriage. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for these wonderful words that we have from you. That remind us that you created us. You instituted this wonderful thing called marriage. A marriage that reflects you. And I pray that as Christians, especially that our lives and our marriage and our family would always reflect your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us stand as we sing. I give you my heart for our hymn of invitation.
somebody this morning or have a need I'll be up front we have elders they'll be here as well please feel free to come up this morning I want to introduce a new family in our church family Ken and Hollis Elkins my memory short Ken and, and Hollis they're right there they're joining with us this morning in our church family be sure to say hi to them this morning welcome them in we're glad to have Ken and Hollis, we're glad you're here. God bless. I pray we'll be as big a blessing to you as you've been to us in the weeks we've, we, we've been gotten to know you. Amen. Let's have a closing prayer, shall we? Father, we're blessed. What a wonderful day to gather, to worship, and praise your name. You've been good to us beyond measure. And we thank you, Father, for all the blessings you pour down on us every day. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and bring you peace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God, give us Christian tongues, arms where the Bible is loved and taught. Homes where the master's will is sought, homes where the beauty our love has wrought. God give us Christian homes. God give us Christian homes. Connect with Laura this morning. Uh, she'll be back in the back with Pregnancy Resource Center. Be sure to talk with her today. God bless.